This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. With me today is John Stockford, who's the head of multi-asset income at 91 in London. And John, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about actually three things. Number one, inflation. Is it starting to reignite itself? What is the impact if it is reigniting itself on the bond market? And what will the central banks do? Let's start with inflation, because I'm looking now at the CRB index. Commodity Research Bureau Index, and you've got soybeans, wheat, palm oil, cheese, milk, rubber, gold, platinum, oil, and all the other things. There's lots and lots of commodities. And the thing has gone from an index level of, I think, just above 100 in April, May of last year, to almost 200 today. To me, that's inflationary. Do you believe in inflation? Um, yes, to an extent, I think I think we do. I mean, I think the environment for inflation is now sort of more... Um, uh, positive, if that's the right word, than it's it's been for you know many years, and I think there are a whole load of things coming together. So um, part of it is obviously you know um, in a world where we can't do certain things, and we've still got income, people are buying goods, yes, and that's sort of uh, fueling um, uh, production. It's fueling uh, input prices, but also I think you know specifically on commodities in this cycle both the sort of supply, well, particularly the supply side, I think, uh, has been held back more. So, you know, we had a bit of a supply glut after the sort of commodity super cycle of, of the sort of 2000s. Um, and, you know, companies have di- rediscovered capital discipline. On top of that, I think you've got sort of, you know, the, the greening of the world potentially also helping both supply and demand. On the demand side, you know, to if we want to revolutionise and and, and build a green economy we're going to need stuff we're going to need um metals and resources to do that and then on top of that you know if if we want to make the planet greener a lot of those kinds of businesses are naturally polluters and users of carbon and so on and so they've got to think quite carefully about you know what projects are going to be viable in in the medium term so i think there is a pretty positive story for uh, commodities but inflation more generally you know, you've got this sort of um, unique, potentially perfect storm building, at least in the short term. So you've got uh, a global economy where um, people have maintained their incomes, partly through government support on the whole. And so they've built up savings because they haven't got stuff to spend it on. So they're pent up to go out and spend particularly on uh, services. Um, You've got central banks keeping policy um, super loose, pumping money into the system, um, you know, pushing up asset prices and, and so on, um, and saying they're going to hold off and allow inflation to build because you know they they continually miss their targets to the downside. They you know they they're going to try and make sure that that they push up inflation expectations and, and sort of achieve targets in the future. So they're going to stay on hold for a long time. And now you've got you know even more fiscal spending coming through. So the U.S. wants to spend. trillion of of new uh, sort of um, fiscal expenditure if if Biden gets his way, which he probably will do. And there's other sort of fiscal measures coming through. And those numbers are mind boggling. They are, 
you know, tens of percentage points of GDP at a time probably when the virus is on its sort of uh, in in its sort of ninth innings. Vaccines are coming through, treatments are working better. So you could have a sort of perfect storm where you have super loose monetary policy, highly stimulative fiscal policy, opening up of economies as the sort of virus threat recedes, um, lots of pent up uh, spending uh, and and power behind that from savings. So big pickup in demand, supply reacting um, less quickly. Um, and base effects as well. So you talked about commodity prices, you know, oil prices um, have gone up and lots of bits of inflation were squeezed last year through, you know, the, the negative effects of, of the virus. If, if virus unlocking, you know, potentially you, you see inflation at least temporarily pick up quite sharply and when you say pick up quite sharply let's have a look at this now because what i'm what i'm hearing from you now and i'm scribbling away furiously here is the perfect inflation storm okay inflation is low and it's been low for gosh more than a decade in fact even even beyond a decade but you've got supply being constrained and that's why commodity prices as referenced by the CRB index that I mentioned at the beginning of this interview. Uh, so supply be con- constrained and also demand suddenly re- rearing its head. It's going, and, and whether it's just a temporary phenomenon like a person coming out of jail after, you know, once lockdown has gone. But the point is that it might go from, I don't know, two and a half to three and a half percent in the United States of America, which is quite, which is quite a big move in, in percentage terms. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And, and you know, I mean, it, it, temporarily it might even go slightly higher. But you've also, it, I mean, central banks uh, um, will be uh, focused on underlying measures of inflation. So stripping out some of the more volatile elements like food and energy, but also on the trends in that. And, and so an initial spike they'll look through, both partly because it'll be led by, you know, um, food and energy, but also because it'll be, you know, they don't know whether it's temporary or not. They're waiting to see if there's a trend. But if it persists, then it starts to impact, um, you know, longer run expectations, I think. And and the chances of it, um, of there being a sort of generalised um, backdrop for higher inflation, I think is 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 better than it's been uh, for, for a long time for, for a variety of reasons. So first of all, some of the forces that have been restraining inflation, certainly in some cases, the US being notable, are maybe a little bit weaker. So the sort of demographics, the ageing of populations in the US is is supposed to sort of reverse slightly, so more younger people coming through. Mm. Um, a lot of the sort of debt overhang has been essentially transferred to governments. And so balance sheets of consumers and to some extent businesses are better. So you've got a bit of a housing boom now in places like the US and you've got, um, you know, the capacity for younger people to take on debt if if they want to and and you know if, if conditions are, are supportive of that um you've got policy i think under a biden administration which is probably more inflationary it's trying to raise the wages and and living standards of of the people who've been left behind and so you know things like doubling the federal minimum wage over the next um 3 4 years is is one of their their policies um and then you've got central banks that are, are going to accommodate it, are going to step back and, and you know, the sort of general fis- generous fiscal spending that we, we've talked about. So, you know, it may not happen. It, 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 we have been in a disinflationary world. Um, but I think the chances of inflation picking up and, and being more sustained are, are higher now 
than they've been for some time. And that then obviously has implications for markets and, and ultimately for policy. Okay, let's talk about markets now, because the one thing that I look at as a, a simple broadcaster is the US 10-year bond yield. And it was, what is it, two and a half months ago? I can't remember. And anyway, it was 088 of a percent, point eight eight percent. It touched one point two zero percent, maybe four days ago, and it's currently trading. I don't know, one point one four, one point one five. At what point does that start to um, pique the interest of the U.S. Federal Reserve, and they say, "Well, wait a second, maybe the next move is to the upside on U.S. interest rates." So, so I, I think um, that you know the, the the first thing to say about the Fed is. They've had a sort of change of heart in the last couple of years. They've done a review of policy, and and I think they came to the conclusion that they weren't being even-handed <clears throat> about their response to um, inflation. So, you know, they they tightened too quickly. They would argue maybe in 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 recent cycles, and and um, you know, been have effectively helped inflation to undershoot targets on an average basis so it spent more time below target than than above target and now they're trying to convince people that they won't do that again that they will hold back and let inflation spend some time above target before they tighten because they're trying to persuade people that actually then you know they're they're asymmetric about the direction of inflation if it's a bit above or a bit below they don't care if it's significantly above or below they'll they'll act and and they want they the market has become has has come to believe that you know actually all they do is ultimately push inflation lower and and i think if you look at um things like inflation surprises so various people publish you know how's inflation come out versus expectations it's serially um surprised to the downside particularly in the us over the last decade or so so you know it's it, 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 the bias has been to the downside the Fed are trying to correct that. So I think they will be slow to tighten. But I think if things, um, you know, if, if we get a boom and inflation starts to pick up and expectations start to pick up, I think the conversation about when they begin to, first of all, taper bond buying and then ultimately raise rates will will move forward. And I think I mean, the earliest that's going to happen in terms of conversation, I think, is the second half of this year because they won't have enough data before then. Um, but I do think there's a risk that we are building up for, you know, them running policy too loose for too long and then possibly uh, reacting or, or, or panicking slightly if, if, if that's the case. Bond markets obviously are beginning to worry about that a bit, which yes. is why <clears throat> longer data yields have sold off. But they can sell off significantly further if we get, um, you know, strong nominal growth coming through against the background of of loose policy. So I think the trend is likely to be high yields. It's not going to be in a straight line. You know, we've got weak inflation data in the US this week. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but, you know, broadly, I think yields go higher. And I think it's not just about the US. I think, you know, inflation expectations are even more depressed in places like Europe. Um, some of the same factors apply there. You know, inflation is not going to run away, I don't think, there. But I do think that, you know, there's scope for bond markets to price in, uh, particularly if we start to get positive inflation surprises, to price in in high yields. So uh, our sense is we've seen the low in yields. Um, they're going to trend high. They're not going to run away. Even if you go back to the sort of 60s and 70s where you had 
ultimately very high inflation, it took years to, you know, sort of germinate. So I, I don't think inflation goes quickly from low levels to very high levels. I think it can go to target and above levels for central banks. And if they continue to run a mix of loose fiscal and monetary policy, ultimately it can build further. Um, but it does sort of feel like we're at something or we've passed something of an inflection point in terms of, you know, 40-year bull market or 40-year you know, bull market in bonds. You know, the, the tide has probably turned, but it's not going to it's not going to be necessarily quick or a straight line or, or, or maybe even that dramatic. But I think, you know, the direction of travel to us looks to be that way around. Do you think that the change in administration in the United States of America when it comes to the presidency uh, might actually uh, release the shackles of the US Federal Reserve and they might say, well, we're not being put under all this pressure now. Inflation is starting to rear its ugly head. Uh, commodity prices are going up. The bond market itself, which is which is a, a pretty clever indicator of what might happen in the future. So, so, so we are thinking about the next move being to the upside. You've already answered that question, but I just wonder if it, it might be sooner rather than later. I, I, I do think, you know, the, the democratic sort of policy agenda is potentially more inflationary. Obviously, to some extent, it depends how much they can implement of that. Um, I think, you know, they're going to try and get as much done as they can. They're going to try and use the tools, you know, um, the reconciliation process in the Senate. And it's not just the immediate fiscal impulse, it's broader strategies like trying to improve living standards of, of the least well-off in the US. It's the green agenda. Um, it, it's, it, you know, infrastructure spending. I think they've got a lot of things they want to spend money on. And then it's a question of what they do on the other side. Do they raise taxes uh, and, and how aggressively? But I think a lot of the stuff they are doing at the margin is more inflationary. What will be interesting, and I think what is typical, is when Republicans are in power, they tend to be fiscally incontinent. They spend on all their pet projects. Um, suddenly, when the Democrats are in power, they become, you know, um, fiscal hawks. And so they will, I think, try and prevent quite a lot of this stuff being done. But I don't know whether, certainly in the near term, they've got much scope to do that. So I, I think, yes, I think broadly the change in government and then you've got the alignment. You've got Janet Yellen, who used to run the Fed yeah. as Treasury Secretary. She's also written a lot about, you know, inequality and 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 the, the perniciousness of that, and the need to you know deal with unemployment quickly uh, to avoid you know lasting damage. Um, and you know she's obviously very tight with the Fed, and so you've got a much more coordinated potentially policy platform. So yes, I think at the margin, all of that. Um, adds to to the story. Okay, and very final question now. Uh, given what we've just said and what you've just sketched out for the rest rest of two thousand and twenty one, are you starting to shift your strategy at ninety one? Yeah, certainly. So we are definitely cautious about bond yields and and sort of fixed income assets. I think in general, I think in the short run, loose policy and potentially slightly boomy conditions. Uh, should um, potentially support growth assets, equities in particular, and, and commodity prices. Clearly, as if we get closer to a point where markets begin to get a whiff that policy is going to get tightened, you know, I think there's the danger that we might get some upset more generally in markets. So I think you know it's going to be an interesting environment. 
it's definitely a change if we're moving from a trend of, of falling yields to rising yields. And, and I think, you know, investors are going to have to think about how they position portfolios as a result of that. And we definitely are, are uh, doing that. John, thank you so much for your insight. That's uh, John Stopford, Head of Multi-Asset Income at 91 in London.